We're starting a new series on Sunday, and just going to give you a little icebreaker, so if you showed up tonight, you get to get a piece of what we're going to talk about all the month of September. Um, Title of the series in the month of September is What Love Does. What Love Does. And... uh, We're going to talk about what love does and what love looks like and what it does in the lives of other people. Um, I've been, this series, this is a piece of something that God's been doing in me for a number of years now. And for the last year and a half or so, I've been putting things together regarding scriptures that relate to the message that I believe that God's given me to, to, to share with you over this next month. And um, I've got three passages of Scripture today, tonight, and uh, I want to read them. And it's interesting that it goes really in line, what we're going to share tonight goes in line with what's happened in our state in the last week. Uh, in the Houston area, East Texas, not, it's not just Houston. I mean, there's been, um, a, I mean, there's been a lot of cities that have been, have been attacked by bad weather in South, Central, and East Texas and in, into Louisiana. And uh, there's a lot going on in Houston. I have a brother that lives right in the heart of Houston. And uh, he, uh, his house was built on a bayou. And so about 2 o'clock Monday morning, um, it rose above the banks. The bayou's right across the street from his house. It came above the banks into the street. And about 10 o'clock that morning, it was just right up, up into his yard, up several steps to his front door. And then by that evening, it was like a river flowing through his house. And... Uh, there's six, am I right, there's six million people almost in Houston, is that right, somewhere in that neighborhood? So I've got a real good friend that's in the police force, um, been doing a lot of conversation in the last few days because I want to know how to help. I don't want to just react emotionally. I mean, if, if, if our whole church need to not even be here tonight and we need to be in Houston helping feed people and water people, then that's what we need to do. But if that's not what we need to do, we don't need to be there because you're just in the way. And, and we, we saw a lot of that as a result of the effects of Katrina with all the people that came to Kerrville. How many remember that? How many were here and played a part in that? We, we did some things with uh, a number of the camps and helped out and all that kind of thing. So it's got to be organized. So I've, I've, I've spent the last few days talking to several directors of organizations that are involved in this. And so I've got some really good information to give you. And I have some wisdom from God about the part that I believe we're to play. That doesn't mean you can't play a part personally, but I'm just saying as a church body, the part we're to play. We've got great vision and direction about what we're going to do. Um, and my, uh, my friend in, the, in the, the Houston Police Force has... I've talked to him the last couple of days. I mean, they've been working 24-7 on the police force. And, uh, I, mean, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, on my worst day, how could you rob from somebody that's been flooded? 
somebody's house that's been ravaged and you're going to go in and steal things from somebody like that? I, I mean, on my worst day. I can't, I, I, my mind didn't even go there. But it's happened. The police chief in Houston has said anybody that's caught doing that, they'll get five to life. That's what he said. Five to life for, for stealing in those kind of times. Yeah. Somebody's got to step up and do something, right? It's ridiculous. Anyway, we're not talking about that. But uh, <clears throat> so uh, do, do, you, do you have those sites um, that you can put up for me? Yeah, there we go. So I, I want to I just give you a couple of, uh, just a, a little bit of information about these three organizations. There's a lot of people coming into Houston right now. I'll, I'll just tell you this. From my police friend, from the, the director of convoyofhope.com, who's been doing this since 1994, um, their organization, Operation Blessing that we're connected with through our network, Wave Network in Virginia Beach, and then the HEB Disaster Relief Foundation. Um, I mean, people, people's needs that need it are getting met in Houston like no other catastrophe that there's been or hurricane-type ravage that's, that's come into areas like that like no other. The needs are being met. There's hundreds into the thousands of people from the outside that have made their way as like not just first responders but second responders to help the people and so all of the people that I've talked to have said this you have to decide what you want to do you want to come in and blow out or do you want to come and help over time because the, the guy with Convoy of Hope said, we'll be here for at least two years. At least two years. And he said, he said it usually happens this way that about 80 to 90% of the people that come, within three weeks, they're gone. And then people are, you know, then something else on the news happens and some other thing, you know, I mean... Who knows, North Korea, you know, their, their attitudes or whatever, and that could be the next big story or something. I'm not saying bad things are happening to us, but some bad things could happen to them if they don't straighten up. But I'm saying that could be the next big story, and so then all of a sudden the attention's off, so out of sight, out of mind, and people forget. So he said, what we're looking for is for churches and people that will come and help us. They've got Convoy of Hope and Operation Blessing are two organizations of five that FEMA contacts that are non-governmental agencies or groups, and, and two of the five, which are those two, um, are Christian, strong Christian organizations. The other three are not. But FEMA contacts them in times like this to get help, and, and they mobilize. They've got thousands of people on the ground and, and over the last four or five days, they've fed thousands of people, and they're going to be there continuously. HEB Foundation, I don't know if anybody's watched any of the videos about HEB, but HEB has taken food from their stores in those areas, giving it to people. I mean, HEB is stepping up. I mean, class act. So what I'm, what I, what I'm saying all this to you for is this. You, if you want... If you want to sow money, we're, we're going to do something financially, but we're going to wait a few weeks because none of those organizations are lacking a dime. 
They have way more than enough at the moment. What they're looking for is support in the long haul and people that will come and help. Amen? So, um, like I said, I'm in contact with the directors of of two of the three of those organizations, and they're going to stay in contact, and we have... Wave Network, I'm a director with Wave Network, and we've got 100 churches with Wave Network, so, so I'm kind of taking on the role of, of helping that whole thing out. So we're going to be able to coordinate a lot of people to help in Houston over a long period of time. How many like that thought? Amen? So, so, what, so what we're called, so we're label, we're, I'm labeling us tonight, we're cleanup. Everybody say cleanup. Okay, so we're cleanup. And... Uh, I, I encourage you to go and look at that word in the dictionary. Google the word cleanup and, and, and look at some of the definitions and the synonyms of cleanup. <laughs> anyway, we're cleanup. Amen? So you can do whatever you want to personally. And, and you, I, I promise you, giving, um, I think today, HEB started taking in money, and they said 100% of the money that's donated will go to the victims, to the people in, in those areas. It's not just Houston. I mean, a big part of it's Houston. It's not just Houston. It's a lot of the surrounding areas, too. So, so I'm saying all that as I'm getting in my message tonight because one of the things that's, that I believe will come out of this over time is not only will we be able to financially help and, and, and help people get through certain things. And anybody that wants to go and be a part of this cleanup over a period of time and, and, and invest any of their time and efforts, there are the opportunities. And the guys from uh, Convoy of Hope told me it's, it's, in the, it's in the six months to a year period of time that people that have had to go through this and they've had people stand with them and believe God with them that they get born again. That's what I'm believing for. Come on. What was bad is going to be turned into a good thing. Can you say amen? And I promise you, listen to me, the whole nature of missions in the church, in this church body, has been and is being revamped. And here is a great missions opportunity for Gates of the City over the next, you know, at least over the next six months to a year, and if it takes two years, whatever. Amen? I have... A great opportunity with a family member of mine in Houston right now to sow into his life and him see Jesus and, and see things in his life change like never before. And I, I just I thank God for the opportunities. I'm telling you, it's the days of opportunities. Can you say amen? So, what does love do in this situation? Now, you know God is love, right? And love is the expression of God in everything that we do. And love does one thing, but what do we do? Well, if love is manifested in us, then what God does is what we do in those situations. So my, my whole series is going to be based on these two passages of Scripture. 1 Corinthians 9 and verse... Uh, 19, 1 Corinthians 9 and 19. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. 
For although I am free in every way, this is the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth, so I'm telling you what the Apostle Paul got from God to tell this church, and I'm telling you today through the Apostle Paul to me by the Spirit of God, I'm telling you what the Holy Spirit says through this passage. For although I'm free in every way from anyone's control, I have made myself a bondservant to everyone so that I might gain the more for Christ. <clears throat> to the Jews I became as a Jew that I might win Jews. To men under the law I became as one under the law, though not myself being under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those without, outside law, I became as one without law, not that I am without the law of God and lawless toward God, but that I am especially keeping within and committed to the law of Christ that I might, that I might win those who are without law. Verse 22. To the weak, wanting in discernment, I have become weak, like them, in other words, wanting in discernment that I might win the weak and over-scrupulous, I have in short become all things to all men, that I might by all means, at all cost, and in any and every way, save some by winning them to faith in Christ Jesus. And I do this for the sake of the good news, the gospel, in order that I, might, I'm, I may become a particular, a, a, a participator in it and share in its blessings along with you. I do all this, what he was just saying, I know there's a lot of reading there, but I'm, I'm just breaking the ice. We're going to break this whole thing down all month long. But he says, for I do this for the sake of the good news. I do all of what he's talking about, becoming all things to all people, lowering myself to a place where I can learn to understand people from their perspective. Some things that, I'm, that, that we're going to talk about and go through over the, over the next few weeks are, 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 is this. Several things that we're going to talk about. Um, everybody, every human being on planet Earth is looking for God. Everybody's looking for God. Atheists are looking for God. Everybody's looking for God. Everybody. You and I have got to look around and begin to, to notice people the way that they're looking for God. Um, so, where is God in the earth? in us and they're looking for him and he's in us and they're looking for him but he's in us but they're looking for him this can't be all there is either that or you're going to come back as a cow some people's idea they're looking for God, and where's God? He's in us, right? So what does that mean? 
That means they're looking for you. <laughs> right? That means they're looking for you because God's in you and they're looking for God. I promise you, everybody's looking for God. Everybody on the inside of them knows they didn't come from a tadpole. Now, they may have been taught differently, but inside of them, they know that's not true. There's no way we came from one of those little ugly-looking things, from that bait. That's good bait. Hmm? But it's not what I came from. Or some ugly-looking ape in a zoo. I didn't come from that. I was created in the image of God. And everybody on the, on the tablet of every person's heart is written that. It's in there, and they're looking for that, and they don't even know it. You know why? Because their image of God is so screwed. And I promise you, I promise you, I, I, I read this, I read this uh, article from a guy that was talking about uh, Gandhi. And Gandhi's quote was, I would serve God if it wasn't for Christians. Now, so we're going to take Gandhi's word on blaming Christians that it's their fault? No, I'm going to tell you. If God's in me, and people want God, then I've done a crappy job of, being, of presenting myself in such a way that people want to love me. Because if people will love me, they'll love my God. And that's absolutely true. <clears throat> when I was, when I got born again and, and then I got into the kingdom, I, I was just passionate for the things of God. I'm still passionate for the things of God, but I mean, I was, I was, I was an accident looking for some place to happen on somebody about Jesus. And preached everywhere I went. I'd go in restaurants and just, I was in a Burger King one time in the Rio Grande Valley and I was standing at the counter right there and I just started preaching. It was, it was, it was right at lunchtime. It was full lines and everything. I just started preaching to him. And, and I mean, I, I, I wasn't, I, I didn't, hadn't really ever heard anybody else that did that. I just did it. And, and Everywhere I'd go, I'd, I'd preach to people, and I'd, I'd, I'd see somebody, and I'd ask them their name, and I'd tell them that they need Jesus, and, and, I, and I, would, I would give them this, this pressure talk about Jesus. And see, the, the, the problem with that is, how many in here, you, raise your hand, you want to you be like that? Okay, so in, in a lot of churches, there's maybe a handful of people that would do something like that, so they're the evangelists. And I mean, I, evangel I mean, the, the whole Rio Grande Valley, they still know me down there. I mean, I evangelized one end of that place to the other. I mean, I, I started Bible studies in car dealerships, you know? And I, I won one car dealership, I, I won the owner's son to, to the Lord, and, uh, and so 
he wanted everybody, he, he told his dad, I want all the employees to come in once a month on a Thursday evening for 30 minutes, and Bert's going to preach to him. And man, I gave it to him. Bam! Huh? I mean, I hit them all. <clears throat> I mean, I gave him some word. I mean, you know, not, I, I wasn't saying it to be ugly and hard. I was just, I was just here's, you know, maybe a third of them were saved people. Most of them didn't even, you know, they had a wrong perception of God, and it wasn't getting better listening to me. So, I'm saying all that, get into that this month. I'm saying all that to say this. Um, I don't like doing that anymore. Unless I'm in the moment and the Spirit of God tells me to do that. I, I was, I was, uh, I don't think I've told my wife this. I was, yeah, I think I did. I was in, uh, Virginia Beach last month and there was I don't know eight or ten of us at a lunch table when we go to Virginia Beach to wave conference everybody goes in each lunch and does stuff and we were at this table and so we were we were just sitting there I was minding my own business and this this young girl was waiting on us and the Spirit of God said to me you 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 go after her meaning you, you find out who she is and, you, and I'll give you the things to say kind of a thing in front of all the people. I don't like that. No. No, I don't want to do that. See, because, see, I, I don't, I'll get back to that story. I don't want to do that anymore unless that, that's what God tells me to do because he knows when people are ready to receive that. What I want to do is add to people. And the adding to is love. I just want to love people. I want to love them, and then when I'm loving them, and they begin to see how sincere I am, I'm not trying to get something from them. And that's why a lot of times I won't tell people that I'm a pastor. Man, I tell them I'm a pastor, and a lot of times, boop, that's just cut off. It's like, you know, they can see you on some of those screens when you go to, like if you go get coffee at Starbucks, they can see you in the screen. And uh, there was a guy I was ministering to several years back, and man, he was always, he always waited on me, always this, and one day he just asked me, you know, and I had to tell him, and uh, then I knew he was watching in that screen, he would, he didn't want to talk to me anymore, you know, he didn't want to talk to me, but he couldn't get away from the couple of years of the love, see, I had added to him, so I, it was okay, and I could tell him, I could be honest with him what I did. You know, because it just confused. He'd see me all the time, and, he, and, I, and I could tell he's, he's just running. What, what the heck does this guy do? And the last thing he thought I was going to say is I was a pastor. That was the last thing. But I won that guy to the Lord. Took another year and a half, but I did. Because of the time that you take to invest. See, now what I did last, last month in Virginia Beach. We, we were encouraged at Wave Conference that morning to invite people to come back. You know, look for opportunities in the community. In the afternoon when you're eating lunch or doing stuff, you know, with people, look for opportunities to invite people that night. And so I did. I was looking for opportunities. All of a sudden, boom, Spirit of God on the inside. You need to get her. She needs to be in the meeting. And so one thing led to another. I asked her what her name was. 
And the way you do this is really simple. And all month long, we're going to talk about how do you accomplish this addition into a person's life before you minister Jesus to them. In other words, what, what the love of God does is it, it serves these people up on a platter. And, you know, some, you know a lot of times you can, you can do a lot of planting and watering, but then someone else will pick the fruit. It, it happens that way. But, but, but in a lot of cases, the way I see it is I add to them through the love of God. The love of God serves them up on a platter that is right before you, and then you just pick the fruit. But it may be six months, or it may be a month, or it might be six years, or it might be whatever. You just love them. You just add to them. You just be. Just be who you are. Don't preach to them, those kind of things. But then when the opportunity comes, you got to take advantage. See, right there that night, I, did, I, didn't do any, I didn't do any addition to that woman. And my mind's going, I don't want to. Do, I don't want to. I, I don't talk to women in most situations anyway. I don't, I'm, I don't have an evangelistic anointing for women, okay? That, that's, that, that's not a God thing. And, and, it, and if you're around men that that's what they, they, they think, you need to get away from them. That's, that's not the way it works. Okay, but this was a, a protective situation. I had a bunch of guys that were with me there, and 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 we we the, the questions drew her in, and she came to the meeting that night. See, but it was set up, and and so I have to be ready. But that's not the way I do things anymore. I I used to do it that way. I don't do it that way now. I've got to add to before I minister Jesus to them because they're not ready. To know my God. There's a lot of preparation that went in to me really even. I mean, a number of years I had to live for God to really know that I was really, you know, born again. I mean, I, no, no one helped me in, in showing me some of the details that I've learned to do with people. And, and so I had questions even in the first year or so that I was saved. I had questions whether I was really born again or not because I didn't have some investment that I needed. And that's why I want to invest and add to people's lives so that when they're served up, boom, they're ready. Yeah, but what if they die? They're not dying. Not my top ten list. They're not dying. Devil's not taking them out because I'm going to get them for real, and not just them make some confession because I hurried them into the kingdom. Because you, you don't get born again that way. You have to believe. But I promise you, if people will love you, they'll love your God. And every human being on planet earth is looking for God. And so, Josh, Everybody's looking for you. And you. And you. Right? They're looking for us. What an opportunity that we have to invest every day and then situations that seem to be horrible and and. My heart goes out to the people, these flood, I mean, just watching my brother, and he's not, he's not a, 
person that things get to him or scare him, but I'm telling you, this thing got him. You know, I, I, I don't know what 55 inches of rain looks like, but evidently it just kept coming and kept coming. They had to move to the neighbor's house, and the neighbor's house then had, the, the, the neighbor had built his house four feet higher than my brother's house, and, and so his neighbor's house had an upstairs, so then so it flooded my brother's house. Then it finally got up into the lower level of the neighbor's house. Then they all, all the family and four dogs and three cats moved upstairs. And then it started moving up the stairs in the house because it was flowing through like a river. And then the street behind them was not flooding because it was so much higher. See, this is down where the bayou is. So they all had to move out of, crawl out of the windows onto the roof, swim. I mean, it just, it was nuts. I mean, I, I don't, I've never been in something like that. I don't know what that's like. I mean, we've had some flooding here at different times. What, back in 2006, there's 14 inches of rain in a really short period of time, you remember? And the flooding that went through, but it was nothing like what this is. I have no clue. And my heart goes out, and there's at least 20-something people that have died in this situation. But I promise you, what was intended to be ugly is turning around, and it takes people that have the love of God manifested in their hearts and then willing to sacrifice and do when it's time to do something. Not everybody's supposed to go to Houston and go, you know, pull drywall out of houses and put it back. And I mean, mo most of us don't even know how to do that. You know what I'm saying? Not, not everybody's called to do that. You can support, you can pray, you can help other people, you can encourage other people. Uh, you may have a, a vehicle somebody could use and, and go do something. Who knows? I mean, there's all kinds of ways, but you'll know. You'll know. But God's called us at gates of the city to clean up, be a part of the cleanup, being a part of the, those groups that you saw on the screen earlier that I really believe God led me to those people and to the directors of those organizations. And I've got many pastor friends that are connected to those organizations, so they're some of the best. And so we're going to be involved with those, uh, you know, just over time. But what great opportunities we have in this situation to let the love of God flow out of us and to other people and to invest in other people. You know, because the other thing that you think about when you're learning to understand how love operates, love operates where God gets all the credit. So one plants, one waters, but God brings the increase. See, so you might go somewhere if, if, if somebody goes to Houston or that area there and they help out the, with some of the situations that are going on there. And uh, one of you might go there and you might invest in someone's life. That doesn't mean you're going to necessarily pick the fruit, but you're going to sow good seed. And they're going to see great things in your life. And when the love of God comes out of you, they begin to see God and they realize, man, there's something about that. that it's God. See, because, because then when, when somebody comes to you and they say, you know, I really like things about you, well, you know what? Then all of a sudden, there comes the opportunity to share with them about your God because the things you like about me or that you love about me, only the only reason you love those things about me is because of my God. So I need to tell you why you love those things in my life. And let me tell you about my God. And man, when you get people to that place, it's done. Hmm? I don't, care if they're, I don't care if they're a Democrat or a communist or some other political group or whatever it is. It doesn't matter what they are. I mean, whoever, 
whoever you think, if you think a Republican's the enemy or a Democrat's the enemy or a communist or Muslim or this, it doesn't matter what they are. Not when you get it to that point. That's why situations like this, when they do arise, and again, we're not looking at it as a great opportunity that God set us up for by destroying. God didn't destroy those. That's not an act of God. God doesn't kill people. He brought life to people. And we're going to be in situations, already I'm in situations, where I'm able to share with people why that's not God. Because see, so many people think it's God. They think it's an act of God. Why would they? See, the, the problem is most people have the wrong image of God. Why would you serve a God that comes in and ravages six million people plus and all the other towns around? Why would you serve a God like that? It's not my God. Remember the story I told you about the guy on the airplane? How many remember the story of the guy on the airplane? Four of you? Um, the, the, the guy on the airplane that was coming back from somewhere and he was an atheist. And uh, how many remember it now? Okay, now more of you do. Okay, so you, so you remember that story, right? Yeah, I was going to tell you again, but now since everybody remembers. See, but, but when I said that to him, he said, he said I, I couldn't serve a God that does that. And I said, I couldn't either. What do you mean? He said, that's not my God. Oh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> you got the wrong God. So let me tell you about my God. No, that's not my God. I don't know who, who's ever that is, but that's not my God. My God didn't do that. But let me tell you about my God. So the opportunity was there, see, because he had an image of God that was incorrect, and that's why I wasn't a believer. He didn't get saved on the plane that day, but man, I sowed a great seed. That guy left there thinking, no, wait a minute. That's, that guy's a Christian, and what I said about him, that's not his God. So wait a minute, let me, let me rethink. That's how we get him. That's how we get him. The only problem is they got a wrong image. I wouldn't serve a God like that either. I wouldn't serve a God that kills people with tornadoes and trees. That's not my God. And some of you, you may not have that worked out within your soul, but this is a good time to work it out. It's a good time to learn <laughs> that is not the nature of God. Well, Pastor, why did it happen? Well, come back Sunday. <laughs> Amen. Other verse that is just foundational <clears throat> is Philippians 1.12. And I'm actually, I'm just going to leave you with this tonight. Where am I going? Oh, I went past it. thought they moved it. Philippians 1 and 12. New King James. But I, I want you to know, brethren, verse 12, that the things which happened to me, this is Paul talking to the church at Philippi. He said, the things... The, uh, the things that which have happened to me actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Remember what I read earlier on the 1 Corinthians um, 9? 
that all of that was for the sake of the gospel? All the things that we do for other people is for the sake of the gospel? And all month long, we're going to talk about what the sake of the gospel is. What is the sake of the gospel? What, what, what is it to do something for the sake of the gospel? The gospel is the good news. The gospel is this word. The gospel is the revelation and the freedom that this word produces. Notice what the Apostle Paul said. He said, but that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, like all the things that he's been through, so that it has become evident to the whole police guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love. Now, verse 15, 16, and 17, I'm going to read out of the Amplified. Some it is true, actually, verse 15, preach Christ the Messiah for no better reason than out of envy and rivalry, party spirit, but others are doing so out of a loyal spirit and goodwill. The latter proclaim Christ out of love, because they recognize and know that I am uh, provincially, but here for the defense of the good news, the gospel. I'm here for the defense of the good news. But the former preach Christ out of a party spirit, insincerely, out of no pure motive, but thinking to annoy me, supposing they are making my bondage more bitter and my chains more galling. But those that preach the word and minister out of the love of God, he says right here, it's for the defense of the good news. You can't ever force the gospel to somebody that's not done from love. Love always has the best interest of the person and always is looking at the end result of where the person comes to. It's not just what changes today. Every person has to be born again first. They have to get born again. But to get them to born again will never happen without love. You'll never force somebody to born again. Because if you don't believe it and you just confess it, you're not born again. But when people begin to see the sincere love that we have in what we do and what we say and how we act and how we react and the way we treat other people and we, the way we treat our spouse and our children, the way we treat family members and people that are closest to us. Listen, it's one thing to love somebody that loves you and they don't really know you. But it's another thing to love on purpose in spite of of imperfections and things that people do that are not necessarily nice or good or whatever. If you live your life playing the victim, you'll never experience the fruit of what love produces. What does love do? Everything that love does, based on this passage right here, is for the sake of the gospel. Everything that love does is for the sake of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that people 
can sink their teeth into the word and the revelation of the word and they become free. You're in my responsibility is to so love people that they become free because they see your freedom. Everybody's looking for God everywhere. Everybody's looking for God everywhere. And God's in you. So for them to find him, they need to find him through you. And you know what I'm saying by that. Not every person on the planet, but the people in your world. We have responsibility. People bring people, God will bring people across your path if you'll love them. Amen? Um, so I'm going to end with this. <clears throat> so I'm just giving you a little bit that you can think about today. But here's the deal. The way you start this, about five years ago, the Lord said to me, you've lost a passion for people out there. No, I haven't. I mean, I, haven't, I heard God clearly say that to me. You, you've lost a passion for people out there. I, I mean, I, I have a passion for people. You know, he said, out there. You, you've become desensitized to how the world affects people in the world. You're too focused on just people within in the church realm, people that have been born again and you're helping them work through issues, but you're not seeing how the world is being affected. And so that's when, again, I used to do it a long time ago that I kind of started my top ten list of people that I keep on my list to, and and. I'm thinking about and praying over and, and, and ministering to when, when, when the time is right. I'm talking about loving them, ministering to them. And what, what the, the, the simple little thing, and this I'm giving you a little starter right here. You say, well, how do you do that? Right here. And this is so simple, okay? But find something of common ground, something that you can agree on. If you're a Republican and the person you're ministering to is a Democrat, do not talk politics. You got major issues. Major You can't agree. Right? You will not agree and don't try to agree. Well, Jesus loves that. No, no, don't put Jesus on Republican and Democrat. He ain't there. And I've been to Republican conventions. Lord, have mercy. It was like the devil was there. Sorry, but it was horrible. The hatred that flowed through that place for people that were created by God. I don't care what their label is. You'll never win people that way. One thing, find something that is common ground and then develop a relationship around that common ground. And when you do that, man, it just makes me weep thinking about how I mean it's not without a fight because the second thing I'm going to tell you about that one thing you need to do you got to do this too but you find common ground and you develop relationship around that common thing that you have with that person it'll turn into more than one thing over time and then the second thing you need to be doing all the time is declaring this 
principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places are rendered powerless and ineffective against me and the person I'm ministering to, and nothing's going to stop them from coming into the kingdom. Nothing. Because the word that I sow will not return void, but accomplish what I've set it out to accomplish. Can you say amen to that?